0: you probably wouldn't.
1: Did I have a lot of experience with cassettes? Well, I had um, I had a Fred Penner cassette. <laughs> I had okay. uh, which had uh, Cat Came Back and Ghost Riders in the Sky. I'm sure, that got really worn out. Big time. Uh-huh. I had a Math Rap cassette. I had Mozart or Beethoven. There's a Beethoven in like the basement or in the attic series wow. that I liked. And then Will Smith's Willennium. Uh, you never cease to surprise me, <laughs> just what I think I thought of you think my You think my music Pat- taste is eclectic now? <laughs>
0: everything that Patrick has listened to, I think I could probably, know. <laughs> yeah. you always come up with something else. Well, the tape, <laughs> d- we should get one to start the show sometime. Did they, did they have the hiss? you remember the hiss? Mm, Every yes, I do. I know what you're talking uh, about. E-
1: yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Back in the... Early 60s? Yeah, something like that.
0: So we'll just start by saying you're Patrick Bateman. You are Peter Michaels. And we are here for The Road the Stage, episode mm-hmm. number...
1: 44. Uh, 44. 44. Yes, right, it is. Good. 44. Holy shit. <laughs> Dear flies. God. Um, yeah, um, that was a really, really great chat that we just had. That our listeners and viewers are about to listen to. Yeah,
0: I was, uh, when I think I said it at one point in there too, but I try not to fanboy too much. I love these, like these, that, that whole era of, so obviously we're going to be talking to Mark McAway from Moist. Um, and that whole era was just huge in the, in the mid-90s. I guess like Silver came out in 94. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, it was different, right? It was different for Canadian music.
1: Yeah. I've talked about it before, I believe on this podcast, but uh, I was gifted a CD case like a little c i still have it actually i think cd case full of uh, some cds that that had been bought and some that had been burned from like the cool aunt and uncle mm-hmm. um and definitely talked to you about it before but there were like a couple of mixtapes of a lot of like uh 90s and 2000s like brit pop and and just you know not pop music necessarily but um there was also uh an olp album that happiness is not a fish mm-hmm. that you can, you can catch. catch Yep, uh mercedes five and dime yep And a couple others that I don't really remember. But those are the two that stuck with me the most. I really love Mercedes 5 and
0: And and that's really interesting because that uh, album... Uh, really, kind of uh, segregated their fan base a little bit. Very similar to the Tragically Hip when they went from Day for Night to Trouble at the Hen House, was a pretty big transition in sound for them. Oh, okay. And they kind of lost a few fans along the way, I think, just going in that different direction. Right. And Mercedes Five and Dime was quite a bit of a different direction from Creature and and Silver. Yeah. And I think the same thing kind of happened there a little bit.
1: Yeah, I, I will. Like, I think with Mercedes Five and Dime, the album opener. Do you remember the album opener?
0: Uh, Underground, I think. Yes, it
1: is name. Underground. Yeah, yeah. That is a very cool sounding song.
0: And you know what's really fun? And I guess I should have. I was thinking about bringing it up in this conversation, but I don't. But uh, I was one of those. And it's the same thing with you know the, the you know the hardcore Metallica fans. They, they hit the Black album. They sucked. And yeah, yeah. Now looking back at it, I mean, that's a pretty good album. Mm-hmm. But same thing. I was one of those fans that, like, Mercedes 5 and Dime just didn't quite have the edge and the aggression that the first two moist albums had. Uh, and I was like, "Ah, this is just kind of soft and blah." But I did go back and listen to Mercedes not that long ago. Yeah, and 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 even under Underground is a awesome track. It's really good. Was that Breathe. a single? Underground was a single. Breathe, uh, and I think the other one was Come, Come and Goes, Come and Go, Comes mm. and Goes. Uh, but anyways, it, it's a good album. Like I was an idiot. Like why I had to take that stance. Clip it. <laughs> Damn it.
1: <laughs> um, Right into it. So, yeah, shout out to Mark McAway for joining us. Moist dropped a new album, um, and uh, we're happy to talk to him about it. But we have to offer a little context because something came up in this episode. Um, today, you texted me and you said that Greg Blackmore has passed away. Sad face. Very sad face. Um, I don't use faces in my text, but if there was a time to use it, it would be that. So tell us about Greg Blackmore, because you knew him a lot more than I did.
0: Yeah, so I'd been, you know, probably worked with Greg for close to two decades in the in the radio industry. So he was basically the radio
1: liaison for Universal Music. Right. So any band that was uh, attached to Universal, he was responsible for shepherding them and Contacting their targeting the radio
0: stations and in, letting them know. Yeah.
1: Just in Alberta. Uh, he was just Alberta. Right, okay. I yeah. mean, it's a, it's a big industry, so yeah, that's a lot of, lot of ground to cover
0: for yeah. sure. Yeah, and, and I mean, again, and we talk a little bit about, the you know, kind of the difference uh, where record labels are now, but yeah, back in those days, they, so, and even Greg mostly represented southern Alberta, and then there was a northern Alberta yeah. universal counterpart, and then Vancouver would have had, and now things are a little bit smaller, and you get one rep that represents a, a much yeah broader scope um but yeah greg helped over the years facility you know anytime we do record giveaways or Mm -hmm, artist mm -hmm. interviews or concert tickets or any of that sort of thing and it's funny as uh i got the email from uh, ryan shepherd who's the head of universal uh the promotions division and uh kind of passing the news along and i just you know i just started thinking of all like just so many memories and so many amazing things that he helped
1: yeah i mean i only knew him for about five years and even in that time i can think of i mean we've talked about a million times but uh uh, there's been a couple shows. Uh, pretty sure he was there for the July talk July show, talk right? Definitely one. And yeah, I yeah. distinctly remember him like standing. I think they're doing sound check, and I have this pretty distinct memory standing beside him, and he's just like, "These guys are so fucking good, man." Like, <laughs> <And> I, he, <laughs> like he was the realist of
0: real guy. Like, he, oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and a huge prog rock fan. Oh yeah, uh, remember he actually yeah. came in with Crownlands. Yeah. Uh, to the station that one. I think
1: time. I talked to him for about forty minutes that day. just talking in the lunchroom
0: talking bands and and just a real dude told it like it was yeah uh and uh and just a real dude
1: another another i went down to calgary a few years ago to talk to the beaches the beaches played the gray cup halftime show and greg set up an interview with leandra and um who else was there is it jordan it was yes it was jordan and leandra it was in the lobby of the fairmont I think it was the Fairmont Hotel. Yeah, so super plush, nice, posh. And I just walked in. I was like, "Yeah, well, Greg, what are we doing?" He's like, "Ah, just sit over there, do it there." I was like, <laughs> "All right, okay, let's, yeah, let's do it." And uh, he was always super, super encouraging about uh, not just my interviews specifically, but what we were doing uh, in radio at the time, and and when we started the podcast. He had some really, really nice, encouraging things to say about it. So
0: Yeah, he was a uh, great guy. And so not to one-up your your Fairmont story, which yeah, was yeah. a
1: pretty posh this is setting. Pretty, it's pretty funny.
0: Uh, the Headstones were playing at Flame Central. And so Greg had uh, organized for me to interview Hugh Dillon uh, at Flame Central. And soundcheck was going on at the time. We were up at, a, at like a higher level at, at Flame Central. Uh, and so anyways, we started the interview. And I was already kind of nerd. Like he was a kind of an intimidating Yeah. Dude. So I'm definitely, I was nervous for that one. Uh, And we start the interview, and like we're like a minute or two in, and things are going pretty good. But sound check for the opening band is happening. Right. And all you can hear is the snare drum: (laughs) tap, (laughs) tap, (laughs) tap, tap. Like, Nonstop, and like, so Hugh got a little frustrated and stopped the interview. And I was like, "Oh fuck, here we go. This is the, this my worst nightmare is coming true." Hugh's stopping the interview, yeah, yeah. And walking out. So he's like, "We got to we got to find somewhere else to do this." And and Greg was there as well, and we started walking along the the concourse at Flame Central. And Greg was like, "Well, what are, like the, the venue's closed at the time? There's the, women, the there's the women's bathroom. Why don't you guys go in and do it in there?" Yeah, hmm. yeah, okay. So I interviewed Hugh Dillon in the women's bathroom at Flame Central. Bit different than a, a little posh different hotel than the lobby. Hotel
1: lobby. Bit different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's funny cuz you, you you say he's a little intimidating uh Hugh Dillon and I mean if you don't believe him then just go watch Pete's favorite show Yellowstone. No spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. Uh, uh anyways, uh yeah, I like yeah, Rest in Power to Greg Blackmore,
0: man. 100% fucking sucks. Uh, great uh, great man for the industry, uh, a great supporter of bands and uh yeah, big loss for Universal Music and uh, in the music industry for sure. And with that, <laughs> <laughs> no, let's have a fun conversation uh, with Mark McAway from Moist. A big thank you to uh, uh, our friends, friends of the show, Sawback Brewery, Go Services, Inc., Tourism Red Deer, and Bose Bar and Stage.
2: How's it going, man? It is going well. It is going well. How are you guys doing?
0: we're here yeah we're pretty good it's funny i don't like it's almost like the magic of flight when we get these things hooked up like it's uh, like the, i'd almost compare it to like holy shit the plane just lifted off the ground holy shit we've got connection we can hear and we can see
2: thanks to the pandemic we are <laughs> yeah. now uh, yeah. we're now living in the future right
1: <laughs> uh so uh, where where are you right now mark you in you in ontario or i'm in toronto yeah. toronto okay very nice so that's that's where you that's your home base
2: that's my home base. Uh, I, I've been back here for a long time. Yeah, we uh, we've been all over. Of course, we lived in Vancouver. We lived in Montreal as a band, and right. uh, now we've kind of splintered. We okay. got guys in Montreal. Um, Jeff's in Kingston. Uh, Johnny's in Ottawa. So we're we're kind of the the survey of this this area of the world a little bit.
0: If you had to pick a like a hometown for the band, because you guys did move around so much what do you
2: consider hometown to be for moist uh vancouver and montreal okay because you know vancouver like we we got the band going in vancouver and we were always like for for a lot of our career we were still considered a vancouver band even after once we uh, you know after we'd moved to uh, montreal but uh, um but we really found a home in montreal as well it was uh those were those were really cool years.
1: <laughs> yeah. What was what was the reasoning behind that move from West Coast to Montreal? Like for um, band reasons?
2: Yeah, not band reasons. Okay. Um, mostly, uh, you know, mostly a change. You know, when you when you're playing in a band, like none of us, none of us were rooted anywhere really. Like we were, we just spent like so much time on the tour bus that you know we'd get back to Vancouver and. And you know, see our friends and hang out and get back on the tour bus and and go. And so, we took the opportunity to to, to live in Montreal for a bit because Montreal had always treated us extremely well, uh, okay. as well as Vancouver. Right. So,
1: very nice, very nice. And now in, in Toronto,
2: back now home. In, I'm back to yeah. I grew up in Toronto, yeah, so yeah. You know, yeah. You, you end up bouncing back to your your hometown sooner or later. I find.
1: <laughs> Are you living in your your like the neighborhood or close to the neighborhood that you grew up in, or?
2: Uh, much more downtown than when okay. I grew up. Okay. I was a, sub- I was a suburbs boy. Yeah. You yeah. know, you know, uh, you know, smoking pot and <laughs> going out to going to go to the local Becker's store for, uh, for Oh, chocolate Becker's, Becker's. <laughs> you know? yeah. I
1: remember Becker's and Dairy Mart. You know, oh, Dairy Mart. That's I don't think, a good one. I don't oh. think Dairy Mart exists anymore for some reason, but I could be wrong. I haven't been.
2: I don't, I'm not sure Becker's exists.
1: Anymore. No, I don't think Becker's. I think Becker's has been gone for a long time. And I what think. were, what were these places? Just convenience stores. Okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. Convenience stores where you go get a Coke or a chocolate milk and a big Turk bar or some kind of
1: yeah. <laughs> Maybe rent a VHS if that's the kind of business they run.
2: Yeah, they might have a little VHS section <laughs> in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. good times. <laughs> well, let's put you yeah, on the
0: could... spot. Uh, put you on the spot a little bit. Do you remember the last time you played Red Deer, which is where, where obviously that's where home base is for us
2: um specifically the um specifically the year no but we have played it in modern history yes um, yes perhaps perhaps twice in fact in modern history but uh um i i couldn't tell you the last time we played vancouver or edmonton either like, specifically.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well you you and, did you did get the the facts right i do have
0: the facts and i do i remember yeah. the show so the last time was 2016 and you were here for our westerner days which was our big summer fair
2: Westerner days, I remember. That's right.
0: And uh, so you guys ended up playing in the Centrium, which is our arena here. And uh, it was with USS. And we've talked to USS before about this show. And they told us they had no idea they were playing in an arena that night. They thought it was a tent outside somewhere. Did you know that you were playing the arena?
2: Um, Did we know in advance? Yeah. (laughs) Uh... We never know anything in advance. You know, we, we cover like in theory, but you know, like you just kind of just you, you go where they tell you to a little bit, you know, and, uh, and you arrive you, and you realize where you're playing when you're doing sound check and you're loading your you're loading your stuff in.
1: That sounds quite nice. Yeah. Just approach everything with a certain level of uncertainty.
2: Just yeah well it doesn't all have to be uh doesn't all have to be figured out in advance there's a certain spontaneity to being on the road i, I that if you can keep if you can keep that it's uh i think it, i find it helpful
1: no I, mean, I think that's probably i think probably a lot of bands go in the opposite direction i, I can only imagine a lot of loose um, loose plans yeah of- I think yeah. our, our favorite response to that question
0: was we had Dave from the Strumbellas on and asked mm-hmm. the same thing if, cause they, they played a pretty memorable show here where they were in a big inflatable dome tent during the, um, Canada winter games, which we thought was pretty memorable. And he was really honest right away and says, guys, I don't remember where I played last night. <laughs> like it's just, yeah. it's, and it's a blur, right?
2: It, it, it becomes a blur a little bit less if you're not specifically on the road, but, uh, um, like if you're, if you're just sort of flying in for a show, it, it's, it's easier to, it's easier to kind of remember what, what was going on. But, uh, uh, if you're, if you're doing the night after night thing, and if you are, if you are just kind of sort of getting on and off the tour bus, that's a much different trip. Um, you, uh, you, you get to know, you get to know the breakfast spots in every city and you get to know where they make good club sandwiches. And where a good late night pizza is. Mm -hmm. And that that ends up being this really weird one-dimensional view you have of a lot of cities. Oh, yeah, that really good breakfast spot. Yeah, for sure. it's all about the hash browns and, you know, all the stupid road stuff.
1: (laughs) So I I do, I'm curious, like, what's, do you have a favorite from your years of experience learning those lessons and those hotspots?
2: Do you have a favorite breakfast spot in the country? Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to narrow it down. I can't name one in Red Deer and I apologize. It's all right. It's all right. Um, um, there, there used to be, I'm not sure if it's still going, um, the elbow room in Vancouver was, was extremely great. And they, and they were, they prided themselves on being abusive to the, uh, to the, to the clientele. So okay. just sort of being rude. If you asked for something that was their that was their thing. Um, yeah, so great spot there. Uh, beauties in Montreal, the Senator in Toronto, um the list kind of goes on you <laughs> got, got would, some good selection would
0: you guys sure. go out uh like as a group like every like it was a group thing everybody went to the same place or did you guys kind of divide and conquer a little bit
2: uh kind of together kind of you know it's sort of just dependent dependent you know breakfast is sort of a bit of a hit and miss thing too depending on how, how hard people were going the night before of course yeah. um but uh yeah you, you a lot of times you find the activities are because everybody's just kind of like particularly if there's a day off you find that the whole band goes to someplace. you know like the whole band goes to the mall you know what i mean <laughs> you walk the mall, we're just bored there's nothing going on the whole band goes to the sports bar you know what i mean or whatever whatever happens to be going in that in that particular uh <laughs> in that particular jurisdiction
1: um now that being said i would assume there hasn't been a whole lot of whole band goes and does this for the last couple of years now, right?
2: It's been a little quiet, yeah. Yeah, despite
1: uh, putting out a new record.
2: We did a uh we did a show uh in Ottawa with our Lady Peace in September. Right. And uh uh it was an outdoor show, it was meant to be all socially distanced and kind of a responsible play. And of course, once you get up and you're playing and, and and the crowd, you don't stop the show and say, okay, everybody, everybody five, you know, five, six feet apart or whatever. It was a regular show. It was, it was crowded in and it was like, mm, that kind of felt like a super spreader event to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> were you thinking that on stage?
2: Well, a little bit, you know, like, <laughs> I, like know. I wasn't feeling, I wasn't feeling like, I, I, like, you know, we were in danger or anything like that, yeah. but I was like, mm, there's a, yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of like a rock show from Florida. <laughs> you know, yeah,
1: there's an unsurprising <laughs> lack of enforcement happening right now.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And, uh, but fun show, and and because because we haven't been doing a lot of playing, we actually got together for a few days before the show just to hang out in Montreal and and jam and get the set back up and 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 hang loose, and that was uh that that was refreshing. That was re- very refreshing, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I bet. Is there like you know, after all the years playing together, um, when you're preparing to get back together and spend a few days preparing, um, yeah. is there any part of you that worries at all, or does it just all gel right off the bat?
2: Uh, you you have more adrenaline going into the show than you would have if it was show show ten yeah. or show twenty of a tour or something like that for sure. Um, and and if you're not feeling like the band's got it together in rehearsals, you might feel a little like, little uneasy about the show kind of thing. But uh, generally speaking, we uh, we do get together and, and play and, and you know, you just rely on your brothers. Like everybody's everybody's kind of got their shit together, so, um, so you don't worry that much for yeah. the most part.
0: It sounds and, nice. Uh, so you guys have a new batch of songs and we've this has come up quite a bit obviously lately about uh, you know not having the ability to road test these new songs which is a great place to kind of maybe help form them out a little bit. But I think I'd read Ammunition must have been you might you guys must have played Ammunition at that show because I think I'd read that's the only song from the new album that's actually
2: been played live. That is correct. Yes. That's the uh, the only song we we played. We were thinking about adding another one but um uh, you know it was it really felt like uh you know it, it it felt like we were just we were pulling it together for one show and nobody knows the new songs yet let's just play the show and then once the record gets released we'll add in you know four or five of the new songs and and that sort of thing and uh but road testing ammunition was it was great and uh we were um pleasantly surprised with the reception given that nobody knew the song yeah. so right uh, and uh, and if you if you catch people singing along with the chorus by the third chorus, you know you're onto something.
1: Yeah, that's a great <laughs> great tip. <laughs> yeah.
2: um, but uh, um, but yeah, no. So the we went into the studio. We the, we wrote the record over um, in in a similar way to the, to the way we wrote the last record as well, Glory Under Dangerous Skies, which is. We would get together for three or four days. Everybody's bringing in their own ideas that they've kind of worked up on their own a little bit. And sometimes an idea is as simple as just a riff or or some kind of a cool thing, right? And uh, And you bring it into the guys and everybody, you know, by the end of it all, like it bears no resemblance to what came in in the first place. But uh, after three or four days of of working up the songs, you have a few songs up and running, and we do. I think for this record and for the record before, we did two two of those sessions and uh, managed to generate more than enough material for the records, and we're, we were able to kind of trim the fat a little bit and and uh, kind of you know just be able to go into the studio and uh, focus on the the tracks that we that we really liked and rock and roll. Uh,
0: what's the dynamic like in the band when you guys are putting those bits and pieces together and everything's coming from everybody. And then, so you're the band member, but you're also, you know, you've got the producer hat to wear. Uh, is there any conflict there ever? Uh,
2: no, um, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty, um, uh, easygoing and loosey goosey producer style and stuff. So, um, I like to see where everything is going. And, uh, and honestly, as a band, we, uh, um, it's different producing Moist than uh, it is producing uh, like a band where I'm just coming in as the producer and I'm not, I'm not playing in, in the band and, and I don't know the guys as well. as like I know my brother's in the band, right? So, um, and we all have a pretty good sense of what we do and what makes sense for the band. So, you know, when you're, when you're producing, a, like when you're producing a young band that doesn't have a really good sense of themselves, there's a lot of sort of hands-on, you know, guys, This song feels really weird with those other songs, Uh, you know, and getting into that kind of editorial stuff as a producer. And that doesn't happen with that doesn't happen with my role with Moist, because everybody already knows what everybody in the band has a good sense of of what we do and what and what we're about and what kind of sounds good for us.
1: Uh, So trimming the fat isn't uh, necessarily a difficult moment for you as a creator right. or producer it's like you, if you're so loosey-goosey it would make sense that that's that's kind of a, a smooth process as well
2: Yeah, uh, like 99 percent of the time if somebody's really married to something that right. sucks right then 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 it's a, then it's the it's the conversation right
1: <laughs> but that conversation doesn't stall production for four and a half days
2: no god no no <laughs> and every and, and you know like everybody everybody has their there's their time to shine and yeah and uh know you and if if one particular thing isn't working nobody's gonna lose a lot of sleep over it and uh and we'll all gang up on that one person anyways right like (laughs) uh years ago we worked with a producer uh david leonard when we were doing the the mercedes five a dime record and uh he described the band as like a five-headed beast um where like there's with lots of arms and everybody's clubbing each other on the head (laughs) (laughs) and uh that's kind of it you know we tease each other a lot and uh so through that process, nobody takes anything too, you know, too darn seriously.
0: So, and so. I mean, j- again, just the fact that you've got history together, you do that with a younger band and there might be hurt feelings or somebody's, you know, behind the scenes going, oh, did he really mean what he said there? But you guys know each other inside and out, can probably read each other's body language really well. Makes that a little bit well, easier.
2: And we've been pretty constructive since the beginning. Like there was, there was a, in the, in the early days, there was a little bit more, like when everything was kind of blowing up, you start to take yourself too seriously yeah. like every band does it you know and but then you come out the other side of that and uh you're kind of uh just just kind of a little bit more grounded you know and uh not as um yeah like everything doesn't you know the sun doesn't rise and set um on because of some riff or or some some melodic idea or whatever you know
1: Sounds like you guys have developed into a very, like you said, grounded, well-oiled, uh, well-oiled peace, peaceful machine since the five-headed beast days.
2: Um, well, we were we were brothers then too. Yeah, but <laughs> we expressed our, you know, <laughs> like siblings fight. Right? They do. They do. But there's a but there's an underlying there's an underlying bond there that kind of keeps it from getting to unless you're Oasis, I guess. Right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: That's a whole other
2: level.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, that sounds like a, a really wonderful process for the last few years because it was was it 2013? You guys, fourteen? Came... I th-
2: 2014 for glory. Yeah, we, right. Uh, we got, we uh, we did a quote unquote reunion tour in 2013. Okay, right, right, country.
1: right. Um, you you had a specific. Uh, unfortunate memory today of that is that is that what you're telling me well, they,
0: that would have been yeah so when glory came out um i don't know if you've heard this or not but if you remember working with greg blackmore uh from universal music he was a music yeah. universal guy for um for alberta and just passed away today yeah. unfortunately so oh. just uh going through some of the memories of him and i vividly remember because i like i'm going to try not to fanboy out too much and and be like the, where did you guys go for so long But, you know, from Mercedes Five and Dime to Glory, like even every time David would put out a solo album, I was like, why can't they just do a moist album? Why can't they just do? So I vividly remember Greg from Universal phoning me up, knowing that I was a moist fan and playing Mechanical was the first single uh, from that album. Right. And just uh, and and getting to go through that uh, with him in 2013, which was uh, it was it was a great return to form uh, for you guys. I was so happy to have you back
2: we were, we were so excited to, 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 be getting back to it. And the thing was that the reunion tour reminded us all that it's fun. It's fun to do this. Right. 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 You know? Not that it wasn't fun at the end of like before we took the hiatus, but we were getting, we were kind of fried. We were just, we were just burned out because it would literally had been this weird six year whirlwind for the band that uh, just kind of, and it was, and when you're in the middle of that, there is nothing else outside the band, you know, like, yeah, um, like you, you live in this really myopic, <laughs> really crazy little world, and uh, and it it is easy to get burned out. And a lot of bands talk about that. you know, after after a certain number of years, you kind of you know, and you don't want to you don't want to dial it in. You don't want to do your song. You know, just kind of just keep writing the same record over and over again, and uh, and so sometimes a break is a good thing. Now we didn't intend to take that long of a break and we never broke up after Mercedes. We just kind of just got busy with our own, with our own stuff, you know? Well,
0: and it was always interesting as well, again, with especially David's first few solo albums, you'd look and see that you were producing. Kevin was involved in some of those first few albums. Jeff's involved in some of those first few albums. And, and again, being a moist fan, I'm like, well, why can't, why can't this just be a moist project?
2: yeah it, it, but moist but as i say moist is is all consuming once it gets going yeah it's a little bit more balanced now and uh but but it's still a bit all consuming <laughs> when it get, really gets going so um so you, you got to go in eyes wide open but it's uh um yeah it's a it's a, it's a shame we didn't drop a couple records in the in the 2000s but uh
1: hey yeah you still got lots of time that's right
2: yeah and um, uh and, and, and the band is a real like it's a group of songwriters. Everybody, you know, in some bands it's like one guy writes all the songs, and that's and it, it's a very much of this com, kind of communal thing. So when it when it is happening, it's it's kind of um, I don't know I don't know if it's unusual, but it's but it's it's got a nice vibe, anyways.
1: So when you, when when your bandmates on hiatus or not comes to you and, and wants you to produce their solo project. Um, how do you approach that d- differently than, than if you're just producing the band that you guys are in together? Like, do you have to kind of step back quite a bit?
2: A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you got to remember too, that, uh, when I, when I worked on morning Orbit, like when I was doing the production stuff on morning orbit, particularly then, um, I, I was brand new as a producer. Right. Right. Know? And the reason that, uh, um, David, you know, David turned, turned inward in a way is because there was trust there. He knew, you know, like, because, because, you know, we'd been through everything together, and uh, and sometimes when you go outside your, you go outside your, th- you're outside your world. Sometimes it's it's a good thing to get a, like a fresh perspective, I guess, and that kind of thing. But you don't have that same level of trust. Yeah. And uh, and you know, I know like if David knows how to read me. I know how to read David, and uh, a lot of things, a lot of things are just understood and you can go unsaid. You know.
1: Um, so speaking of production, um, Rumble Cone, are you you're still very involved in, in the Rumble Cone Studio, or
2: so Rumble Cone Studio is, was, uh, was basically was a was a building that I operated my right. studio. Yeah, at. totally. And, uh, uh, I closed that specific studio just because because it started being a pain in the ass, to be honest. Okay. So, um, you know, if I swivel my camera over, I've got. Uh, i was gonna ask what that. Yeah. Oh my oh, wow. god! you no. uh, know. Uh, our, our, just you a, know, qu- at least half of the studio moved into my house, anyways, and and uh, I haven't been producing other bands for for a couple of years, anyways. Okay. So, um, but you know, I mixed I mixed the the new Moist record right here. In wow, this wow, that's
1: incredible! I think our yeah. audio producer uh, quickly rushed out of his his room to try to see the camera, but, uh, he'll, he'll have to catch that footage later. <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: um, yeah, so, uh, but, uh, no, I, I do, I do, despite the fact of being a in the s that was a beautiful workspace that I had going on up there. And, uh, um, uh, it was, um, um, basically where, basically where I, where I, I lived for, for like 12 years. Wow. And, uh, and uh, I, I, sh- I brought in like Nelly Furtado worked out of there for a bit as well. Just had a great vibe. Everybody went in there, and went, oh man, this this place is just, it's kind of, like you wouldn't track drums in there, but you would you know record vocals, record guitars, so, like right. do all the W kind of stuff, and uh, it was just it was just a cool space. There... You know, I don't have Nelly Furtado coming over to my basement.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Were, uh, jam- Were there jam spaces or just like rehearsal spots in that building as well?
2: Uh, no. Oh, okay. No. Yeah, that was, uh, it was, it was the strangest little building. It was basically the, uh, I think it had been like a furniture restoration place that somebody had built behind their house. Nice. So, uh, and, and it just got built into a studio before I came along and, uh, and uh, I don't know, it just, it had a vibe. Heritage restoration was what the building was called. Okay. And the inside was a couple of recording studios
1: um before we move on i'm sure pete's dying to ask what you're drinking <laughs> is, it
2: that, is it that obvious you yeah. can see by the growlers in what, front of us what, what, uh, what
1: are you drinking mark if you don't mind uh, no,
2: nothing nothing too spectacular tonight uh, um i was i was planning to i was actually planning to drink ludtridge tonight but uh um but i went into my fridge and all i had was sapporo which is which okay. is okay okay yep. It's pretty good nothing nothing special but um but i to be honest i'm a bit of a fan of the very vanilla beers from europe anyways i do drink i do i find myself drinking stella and heineken quite a bit yeah, yeah. I'm less of a craft beer guy just and i'm not a fan of ipas like sorry that's
1: fair <laughs> that's fair i remember watching a i forget what musician it was but talking about how like you know, you go on tour, you go to these music festivals, and they they serve you IPAs, and it's kind of the last thing you want to drink.
2: That is definitely the wrong
1: thing on a day that you're going to perform because sweaty and
2: hot, and and yeah. it just
1: weighs you down. Just weighs, yep. it's just a, it's just a lot. Uh, yeah,
2: it's uh, it's important to have a, a clean, easy drinking beer. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> Back in the day, you always used to be Molson Dry. Remember Molson Dry? I don't even know if they sell it anymore. I don't know if I well, remember. What, dry. what was Molson Dry? <laughs> Well, it was just it was another it was a Molson product. Yeah, you know, yeah. obviously. <laughs> right. So not terribly different than all the other Molson products, but it was uh um, but it was dry.
0: All right, all right. A Did trip. it have kind of a dark blue, greenish kind of um can and and dry was in red lettering? Uh,
2: I'm that thinking of the right. right. It sounds about right. I think I kinda of have a little
1: recollection. What a memory. Yeah.
2: Hey, when it comes to beer, do you want to draw (laughs) draw the can for us? It was kind of a nineties a nineties bar beer.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, that's that's we should actually start asking that kind of question more often on the road. The stage podcast is is beer preferences on the road because we often, I think, especially in Central Alberta, assume that craft beer is like the only option nowadays. Right. Well, but it is certainly not
2: there's a lot of great craft beers out there. Totally. uh, Totally. Um, but to keep it simple, the problem with putting craft beer on your rider when you're traveling is it's not necessarily good. (laughs) Yes, that's true. There's a whole lot of crap. Yeah. There's a lot of ones I don't like very much. So the moist rider is, uh, 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 20 or 26 or 40, 40 ounce of vodka, a, uh, 24 of Heineken, uh, Three or four bottles of uh, decent red wine. Nice. Um, a, a smaller bottle of whiskey. Um, we don't always drink all of that every night, by the way. But, <laughs> but how much? How,
0: just- how much has that changed from the beginning days? Like, so let's go to a rider from 1996 compared to one from that 2013 tour.
2: Would would it be the same? Well, no, s- similar concept. Yeah. Similar concept. And we weren't. Uh, like the, the bands in the uk for example and we did quite a bit of touring in the uk back in the in the early days um as well and uh the, the uk thing the uk thing had more of the drugs on the rider thing going on and uh that was never um you know we, we, ne- we were never a big drug band although like drugs kind of came around from time to time yeah it, it is rock and roll is, <laughs> yeah it is the it is the industry after all. yeah yeah um but uh but yeah no when we went to the uk we were just like oh my god like everybody's like on on coke and ecstasy like all the time
1: <laughs> and the venue provides that
2: <laughs> and the venue provides <laughs> well, wow
1: hello. i want to that i mean i'm sure obviously that happened a lot here but i wonder if it was if it, if it like you said you noticed it more in the uk than maybe here in canada
2: oh like for sure yeah for sure, for sure.
1: Yeah. I, don't, I don't think like the drug laws are were overly different don't over think there so. back no. in the day either. Yeah, so pretty, no, pretty no, it's,
2: it's, it was the rock and roll culture, right? Canadians, Canadians have always been a little bit more polite. Sure. You know. <laughs> oh, you know.
0: <laughs> did you uh, did you guys ever have to have a TM lose it on a on a venue for not providing the rider as requested?
2: Oh, like the red Smarties thing or whatever. <laughs> sure. Yeah. There's IPAs here. <laughs> Uh, no, not like, not like that. And no it, diva it just, moments? Uh, well, cause we weren't, we weren't really divas, you know, but yeah, yeah. like somebody would get pissed off if the rider was like just completely wrong. You know what I mean? Like there's no beer and there's no, you know, like whatever kind of thing, but it wouldn't be like the band having a hissy fit or something. It would just be like, they'd have to send a runner out to the store to get it, <laughs> the right. stuff you know, <laughs> from the rider Right. You know? Um, but, uh, but again, you know, like we, we it's a the little brothers band thing we had going on. everybody's everybody tried to stay uh, tried to stay kind of chill about stuff and just kind of kind of roll with whatever whatever the universe brought us on a given night as much as possible.
1: Sounds like uh, an unbelievable ethos behind moist, I will say. Well, let's talk yeah. about
0: a, a tour that we didn't get a chance to see that uh, I can imagine would probably been a lot of fun for you guys. that the Saints and sinners tour. That oh, I th- got announced. What, like I think that was December of 2019, or right at the end of 2019, the that tour gets announced and everybody's really excited. That was I think originally it was you guys, Big Rec, Tea Party, and Headstones. That's
1: right, yep. and a ton of fucking dates. Like and you guys were playing. I've, I seem to remember you guys were basically playing every single spot in, oh, in it Western was crazy, Canada at least.
2: Yeah. yeah, like like just a really a cool tour to play. Yeah, and uh, and just like. Like one of those experiences, right? And uh, kind of like the the old edge fests that would travel totally. across yep. the country, right? That kind of thing. And uh, yeah. And then uh, the the big wreck guys kinda got tired of got tired of the constantly moving the thing along. So we, we they we brought Sloan in to replace them, which also would have been a hell really yeah, crazy, great tour. And yeah, we just we just couldn't. At the end of the day, it couldn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was like the most frustrating thing, and you know, and as we and the I remember when just before it got canceled, the numbers kept rising, and I was like talking to our manager um, you know, Graham and and just sort of saying, you know, this isn't trending in the right direction. He's like, I know everybody in the tour right now is everybody is like kind of like re, trying to remain optimistic, and you know, like this is gonna, yeah. You know. And and the problem with a big tour like that is you actually have to. You actually have to commit a lot to that tour in order to, in order for it to go. So you're you're booking tour buses and you're booking light yeah. rigs and you're booking all this stuff, and money is changing hands. And then when it when it all goes away, that's a problem, yeah. right? So um, yeah, so we got screwed. It would have been it would have been awesome. However, this pandemic is not going to last forever.
1: It's not. That's right.
2: And the model for for the saints and sinners thing, I think, is is beautiful. And we're, um, I don't know how it's going to manifest itself, but as God is my witness, we will do a saints and sinners style tour <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as the world kind of comes back to normal and you can actually plan a tour.
1: Absolutely, we we've been talking a lot lately about you know we started this podcast in I think it was April of last year, and uh, with the assumption that you know what we'll start it here, we've got this great studio, Communal Creative Studios here in Red Deer we'll do zoom interviews for the first, you know, probably six months. And then it was like, okay, we'll do it for another six months. And now it's like, all right, looks like we're going to do it for another goddamn six months.
2: Well, this kind of thing might end up being permanent though too. Right. I guess, cause, yeah. cause there is something to be said for, um, you know, you have, you have, you've you have access to people throughout yeah. mm-hmm. like around the globe basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, people are starting to get used to the idea of, of the zoom thing, maybe not going away completely yeah totally you know, or if, if your buddy lives in if your buddy lives in vancouver like you would never get together for beers over zoom like before the pandemic You're came around absolutely
1: right, right. So yeah yeah
2: but everybody's used to it now and uh i get together with friends that i don't i didn't see very often a lot more now than i used to in a funny kind of distance through the computer kind of way yeah
1: yeah um so uh, as it stands right now and i you know joke about it all the time we we like to ask artists questions about their future plans most of they they can't answer it at all uh for obvious reasons but it kind of sounds like you guys are are, have decided you know we're just going to sit back just wait and see how long this thing lasts and then start working uh, towards the future
2: well even as we speak we are trying to put something together for 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 the west um sort of at the beginning of the summer okay not like not like a giant tour or anything like that but get out and play yeah some of the cities out west that we that we haven't been to for what what's like a heck of a long time now so um and
0: you're sitting on a play. great batch of songs right you want to like i can only imagine how badly you guys want to get out and get going on these
2: oh man it's like it's it's just so weird <laughs> like and, and and you know we finished this record a little bit before we released it because we were just like we were hoping to tie it into something yeah. you know and and uh because normally when you release a record you tie it into a you know a tour that uh, typically is how how it works and it works really well. And, uh, and we finally went, okay, no, we're not, we're not putting this, the release off anymore. We're putting the record out and yeah. we'll, the chips will, the chips will fall where they may or whatever. But, uh, um, um, but with that being said, um, I think, I think live action is going to be happening soon. With I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. You with, and me both.
0: With the uh, with the new record coming out, so you guys a couple of years ago did the 25th anniversary of the Silver album. Not a big package yeah. that went along with that, but I don't. Did Creature get a 25th anniversary treatment?
2: Not yet. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> so maybe. Well, you know, those, those, you know, there's there's conversation because it would be so fun to go out and play that record in the oh. same way we did we did Silver yeah. and. Uh, uh, yeah we'll see we might end up having to be like oh that that well-known 26th anniversary <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> at this point you may as well just uh, we've missed too many anniversary album tours in the last two years specifically so
2: yeah no that's exactly and we're not we're not going to wait till it's like till the record's 30 that's that's yeah that's that's too long
1: hell go for 50 go for 50 <laughs>
2: 50th anniversary tour yeah i think that would be a kind of a different show <laughs> yeah. sit down that'd show <laughs> yeah definitely the sit down show some stools That's the, the first
0: acoustic moist tour yeah, yeah yeah
2: yeah we did that years ago when david i don't know if like uh years and years ago david blew out his appendix when we were on our first tours and uh sure. and he was and he was just like in he was in the hospital and then he wasn't he wasn't fully recovered for a bit and uh And, uh, we, we kind of figured, figured it out in a slightly sit down fashion for a bit. Okay. You know, so we're no strangers to these, these, and, and the intimate and interactive or, you know, those like the MTV unplugged style stuff. Uh, we did a couple of those and those were always kind of fun. Did you see that? Weird.
1: Did you see that quote from, it was one of the Gallagher brothers the other day about Dave Grohl? No, I think it was one of the Gallagher's. Uh, something about like when, when Dave broke his was it his leg or his yeah. foot or something, and then continued the tour on the throne. Yeah, uh, one of the ga- I th- I'm pretty sure it was one of the Gallagher's said like, yeah, he kind of fucked us by doing that because now like, you know, if I have a sore throat or the sniffles, <laughs> I can't I can't back out of a show because he he just kept going.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well, blowing out your appendix though, being in the hospital, I don't think anyone's expecting you to hop up on stage too soon.
2: There wasn't a ton of movement by the Gallagher brothers anyways, to be honest, when they were playing. like No no true. diss on the band, but they weren't really <laughs> a jump-around kind of band.
1: <laughs> that is true. That is true. That is true. So are you going to tell your radio story? What's my radio story? From like, yes, from 24 hours ago?
0: Oh, yeah. About the album title? Well, okay, sure. I, I don't... I, who Who's running the Moist social media account? Do you, do you guys... Uh, Jeff and Kevin. Jeff and Kevin. Okay. Yeah. So I'm still in radio. And uh, so I'm uh, filling in on a few of our rock stations in our hub. So I'm on in Kelowna and uh, Kamloops and yada, yada, yada. So yesterday the stations featured uh, ammunition as a, you know, a fresh track kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and the station posted it on their social media and it said, you know, be listening at this time for a moist new song. And then you guys had commented sometime after it happened. Uh, hey, thanks for featuring the track. And then during uh, my, my break about the song, I brought up that Jeff Burrows had tweeted uh, a, a little thing at you guys about having an album title that was a little similar to a, a Tea Party album title. And then all of a sudden there was a there was a comment below that said, oh, by the way, we're all cool with Jeff Burroughs. It was all in jest. Ha ha. So obviously somebody must have been listening to that radio station while I was doing that.
2: Uh, I guess so. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) I'm not I'm not in the loop on this whole situation, although it does does sound like a little bit of something under the under the (laughs) like.
0: It's either Jeff uh, or uh, Kevin. okay have you
2: you seen the the tweet from Jeff Burroughs? Uh, no, I've seen a couple of tweets tweets recently well, from Jeff. Rosen. He, he um, has I a saw code. one where he was saying he liked the record a lot, which I which I enjoyed. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> well the
0: the gist of this one was because their album title is At Ocean's End, and your oh, album yeah. title is End of the Ocean. Oh, it's,
2: oh, it's like the jumble. Yeah.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. But so, he was he was just yeah. trolling. He was trolling a little bit. Is he a yeah. big big troll on Twitter? Yeah. Uh,
0: I don't know if "troll" is necessarily the right word. He's very vocal on Twitter okay, for sure, okay. and there's a lot of things to be vocal Steph about. A,
2: like we we go so far, like we yeah. were label mates way back in the yeah. day. We go we go so far back with Tea Party. It's 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 all good. But they're like they're like the Step Brothers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've done so many shows with Tea Party over the years, and we know them well. And we've done terrible things with the Tea Party, and they've done terrible <laughs> things with us, and it's all good. <laughs>
0: Well, and it feels like there's good camaraderie between all, all of those bands. Obviously, you guys were going to go and tour together now, so things have obviously got to be good. Um, it's funny, with with Creature just celebrating the 25th, Our Lady Pieces Clumsy just celebrated their 25th. Um, yeah. I kind of look at, like, you look at that era of kind of the mid to late 90s, and I almost look at that as a trifecta of, of, of what Canadian alternative rock was, the definition, right? That Clumsy, Creature, and I'd even maybe throw in Eye, Mother Earth, Scenery, and Fish, all kind of from that same... Year year and a half defined Canadian alternative rock. Would you agree with that? Did you kind of feel like that's what you guys were involved in?
2: It, it really felt like it felt like a moment. I'm not sure why that happened exactly. Part of it was part of it was much music too, right? Oh, right. Yeah. Days, much music was the center of the music universe for Canada for like particularly in those days, and uh, and um, yeah, there was. That that the little handful of Canadian and 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 a lot of bands that are, like aren't in the little short list that, that, that we're talking about that were also really really important to the scene and uh, it was I, yeah, it was it was sort of Canada's um, and there's been a lot of great eras since then in, in Canadian music obviously in a million great bands that have done incredible things both in Canada and internationally but um, yeah it was it was like a little moment that that kind of coalesced and. and um, I agree 100%. It's uh, um, great memories from that time and, uh, and really cool records. Like there's like, yeah. really good records. I've got a couple of, uh, I've got a couple of late teen daughters and uh, and they love 90s music and and they they have a you know and they love Nirvana and they love you know like Pearl Jam and, and Oasis and all these bands. But, uh, but they they really love the Canadian bands.
1: It's very I find it it's a very unique uh <clears throat> kind of subgenre it's a, within a genre 100%. And would you
0: not to get too te- kind of technically into the, the 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 music or the format side of things but like would you say it was kind of born out of grunge? Like it's different from grunge but it's a, like a slightly slightly a different take on it.
2: Uh, we were all t- very affected by the grunge movement sure. though, right? So Yeah. And uh and all those, you know, like there was there was the grunt, like it was just it was such a beautiful decade in a way starting with nevermind right and nevermind basically shut down like in my opinion anyways shut kind of shut down the the, the, the hair metal of the 80s and made it kind of seem ridiculous and and out of that came came like initially the American bands and then the Canadian bands as well um, just just Kind of anything, anything as long as it as long as it had a certain heaviness to it for the most part, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and it was creative and kind of just different. Um, I think uh, it, that's that's a great that's a great um, decade of music to be living in, and uh, it'd be nice because so often so often music slides. Music gets so easy, you know, in a funny sort of way and just starts to be kind of repetitive. Mm-hmm. And then and then you have this little moment and then it becomes really, really interesting. And then it slowly kind of gets repetitive again. And then you get another moment. That's my philosophical moment for the day. Guys.
1: <laughs> have you okay. have you been able to pinpoint like with your experience as a producer, as a songwriter, as a performance over however many decades? Have you been able to pinpoint anything, uh, whether it's a sound or a mindset, um, a production effect of some sort like from from that time that you're missing in modern music today
2: uh that's it's, it's just so different um um the palettes like like as a producer kind of looking at okay so you've got a band that wants to sound like something that's happening that, that was released in 2019 say right. or you know that kind of thing yeah it, it, it's a it's a kind of a different approach like to, to making the, the music all, like all around like it's very very different and a lot of it uh um, there was a real live aesthetic to to not only the like the, the presentation of the music live, obviously, but 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 on the records, there was kind of a live feel to the records, and
1: as in like actual like packaging, sorry, as in actual like curated packaging with thought.
2: Uh, well, yeah, but, it but also sense. it was it, it the 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 grunge era or like the 90s bands or whatever you want to call it it kind of sounded more like a band was playing. Okay. All right. You know, and uh, like, and, and, you know, behind the scenes there was lots of studio magic going on with a lot of things obviously, but, um, but it's kind of felt like a band was playing. And that's not, you know, and that's, it's kind of not what the vibe is now, although it's, it it is actually, I I, correcting myself. it, It is a little bit that way, but it like expressed more in a sort of organic, um almost more acoustic organic way you get those like there's this you know obviously like sort of a Mumford and Sons but but all the other bands that are kind of like that you know what I mean that yeah. uh, that feel like a band that's playing live just a much different presentation than what was going on in the 90s but uh um but lots of bands don't sound at all like they're playing live
1: yeah that's a that's a good point that's yeah that that makes that makes some live shows uh a little difficult for me sometimes like, I, I'm always excited to see the live version of what I've been spending my time listening to on my shitty, you know, speakers or earbuds or whatever. But, uh, yeah, sometimes it's like, ah, maybe that wasn't worth putting down on the track if you can't even come close to it. To replicate to it <laughs> yeah, on stage. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, if it's conceived in the studio, sometimes it's really hard to recreate, you know, <laughs> recreate in the live live environment. Yeah. It, dep- it really depends on how much, uh, how much studio magic and how many bells and whistles are like, are not only part of the sound, but important to the sound sort of integral to it. Right. Um, yeah.
1: Now but, you, uh, you said your kids are, are pretty into music, older music. Sorry for I don't, it's whatever. <laughs> fuck. Yeah. Um, is there, do you pay attention to a lot of new music at this um, stage in your life?
2: I do. I, I can't keep up with my daughter. My my daughter Molly is like off the charts with uh, okay, with music. Uh, both my daughters are really into it, but my daughter Molly's tastes are like so eclectic. Everything from like Ella Fitzgerald to the Pixies to cool. you know like like crazy eclectic kind of kind of thing. Um, yeah, uh, like my I, I love Cage the Elephant. I got to say, yeah, um, one of one of my favorite newer bands. Mm-hmm. Um, which they're all there's they're sort of almost veterans now i guess yeah that's you got like a rock, 10 crazy, 15 least, minute yeah. run yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 but uh you know like great like great records really interesting pretty original
1: really pretty original too definitely
2: yeah. i know I, I i like that band for that and uh, uh and i've you know this is now classic rock the fact that muse is now classic rock <laughs> i know right <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah are they playing um, muse on q107 yet? yeah probably playing the
1: chili peppers and nirvana and stuff yeah. right
2: yeah that's it you know so uh um but you know that's that's the great thing about music it just kind of just keeps morphing and and growing and it's just nice to be uh nice to be part of that of that organic snake of music that's going carrying on that's kind of funny
0: if you look at the where you know kind of how alternative rock was born in the 90s to where alternative rock is now it has it's Mm -hmm. snaked and gone on and it's in kind of a completely different spot
1: than it was well it's almost i I, like to uh Point where it's almost like, okay, do we need to be a little more specific about our definitions, our labels here? Well, that's probably accurate. Like you, I mean, working in alt rock radio for the last few years, it got it got a little confusing at times, Definitely. right? Yep, yep. <laughs> very confusing.
2: Yeah, and and part of that is part of that's computers too, right? Because yep. um, everyone can make a record now. Everyone has the tools um, if you, you know, if, if they spend a little bit of time, learn the craft a little bit, which you can do on your own. Like back in the day, you had to go into a recording recording studio. So everything got curated by the record companies, basically. And that's not the case anymore, you know. And uh um and it's it makes it confusing. It also makes it empowering for the artists because Mm -hmm. bands don't have to wait around for A and R dude to show up at the at the at the show. Yeah. But um but it also makes it confusing because it it adds to the noise of the noise of a lot of different choices. That's why most most bands can't play really big venues anymore unless they um you know like there's a very small hand compared to the old days yep. um th- th- because there's so many bands and so many niches and people are really into these different niches and it's it's just more a lot more fragmented it seems to me
1: yeah those those uh, big shows are just an apple commercial away right
2: yep well that's that is true <laughs> 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 um Okay, so that would be the new ar in, in you're, that way. 100 right? yeah. hey
1: I mean uh, th- they're not often wrong they, those songs are usually <laughs> yeah, pretty true. bumping um I, I really wanted to ask you about not that I've read it but the indie band Bible the ultimate guide to breaking the band
2: that is your book right it is in fact yes uh how, when did you publish that um right after we went on hiatus with, from moist the like so uh, it was it was it came out in 2001 I think Shit. maybe 2002
1: so we're due um, for a
2: repress. Oops. <laughs> um, yeah, although it, it needs a little bit of a rewrite, like the you, internet <laughs> chapter is a bit group. Right? Yeah, you've got you've got like
1: uh, uh, many years of major developments and evolution to to cover. Um, do, do you have any plans on on I don't know doing a sequel? Uh,
2: it has come up. It has come up. It was it, it sort of it rose like everything was so everything was so fresh and it was. Um, like it was, it was really kind of just based on our experience. It, yeah. was, it wasn't, it wasn't a biography of Moist by any means, but, no. but, it, but so many of the lessons were just based on things that we ran into, you know, in, 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 in our, in our trip through the, through the music industry. And, uh, so it, it was, for me, it was a little bit of a time and place thing, but, um, that being said, there are, you know, you go, like I, I live in Toronto, so Um, in non pandemic days, you go down to the horseshoe on a Tuesday night and there are great bands playing and great bands that are, you know, bands, bands It's challenging nowadays because, because of the fragmentation that we were just talking about, but, um, but, but also just because, uh, it's like, everything seems to be more challenging these days. You have all these tools and you can promote yourself on social media and everything, but everybody else is doing that too. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's uh, maybe an indie Bible too would be good. I, I
1: yeah, it, it it sounds like uh, there's definitely at least another few chapters that could be written, um, yeah. given the time that's passed. Now, my other question: Are you at all connected with the indie Bible website?
2: No. no. Okay, you're familiar though. No. I am familiar with the indie Bible, or the uh, yes, the yes.
1: Band. Okay, very, very similar concept from what I could tell. Like, uh, you know, the or similar goals in in trying to set people on a a good path, right?
2: Yeah, empowering empowering bands to yeah to, to deal with stuff. And yeah, my my book was like it it started right at the beginning. You know, things like picking your band name and, <laughs> and, and what to do when you got a problem member in the band, or or you know that kind of thing. And then it kind of just went through, and so. So you get your, you got a showcase in front of the record, the record label. How do you approach that? Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. It sort of just kind of like took you through the the sequence of events that, that uh, you know, can happen when things are starting to go right for you.
0: And all of that stuff, though, like you talk about, and yes, there has been so much change in the last two decades then since you would have written that. But a lot of those things that you wrote about will still apply,
2: uh, right? Uh, for sure. Um, although bands don't rely on record labels the same way as they used to, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like it's uh, the indie spirit, which is great. The indie spirit is fantastic, but it, but it also in some ways makes it more difficult. Mm-hmm. Right. Because uh, um, just just because of the noise, just because of the noise of so many people with, and so many credible artists too, all kind of competing for a very limited space, very limited number. You know, the eyeballs can only capture, can only capture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i can think find so many things on YouTube in a given day
1: you no know? yeah I think it, it that's a good point in that you know back in the day um, you could obsess over musicians artists, but you were also had a limited access to to content yep. whereas now you have an, a limitless access to content pretty much. And uh, you can't obsess over And it's the same day,
0: right? Like, again, back yeah. in the day, you would have to wait for a magazine to come out. And yeah. by the time that magazine came out, that interview was probably a month, month and a half old. Yeah. But now I know what you guys were up to yesterday because I saw it on your Instagram.
2: Yep. It's uh, instant gratification, which is great. It's like everything is like... <laughs> everything is good and bad. <laughs> about, everything is good and bad about the time we live in right now. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So... You know, social media connects us all and yeah. completely divides us all at the same time. Yeah,
1: yeah that's uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, so, any I mean, if we have musicians uh, listening and they want a pretty in-depth perspective of of what it was like from from your view, the indie band Bible is uh, pretty good read, from what I understand. So check that out, and then maybe a sequel in the next two
2: decades or something. Well, I appreciate the plug. It's hard to find the indie band Bible. Yeah, right? I just gonna say.
1: I thought I saw it on. Is it not on Amazon?
2: uh it's possible i don't know but uh um do you still have a copy mark have you got it sitting in the house somewhere oh no I've, i yeah no i, I <laughs> okay, think i've good. got one box of them left <laughs> um
1: yeah. would you recommend indie bands um demand spotify removing their content from from the streaming service is that something you you'd recommend to an up-and-coming band
2: um on what basis or uh, for what
1: well, it's uh, it's just because Neil Young,
2: because of, because of the Neil Young thing. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Like, because I did, I did actually see uh, two podcasts today announced that they they were removing all their content from really? Spotify as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. It's interesting that that's what gets people to ask for their content to be off of Spotify, and not the fact that they pay worth shit. Well, yeah, but.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you know, unfortunately, as as artists, you you, you gotta kind of take what what's available to you. Unfortunately, but. Uh, um, yeah, no, it's important for artists to stand up for what they believe in, you know, so... Yeah, Neil's um, been doing it for his entire career, so... But Neil Young is in kind of a different situation. Very much bank. so, very so much he's so. He's really a, just trying to make some waves, so...
1: Very cranky, very rich, rich uh, opinionated man. It helps that he's got Neil a lot of for, money.
2: Spotify is going to let Neil Young back in, right? <laughs> But... But Spotify might might get irritated at some young band and and just kind of be a bit cool about about profiling them or, or yeah putting, adding them to features and that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. Um, you got you always like with everything in life, you got to pick your battles. I think.
1: And and maybe only if you're worth like two hundred million dollars, right? It probably helps too.
0: And just sold that catalog, did he not?
1: Mm, didn't Neil sell his catalog? I don't I know. Neil Dylan sold his... Dylan just Dylan's did.
0: did. <clears> I thought <throat> I thought Neil had sold his as well.
2: It doesn't seem like something Neil Young would do. Yeah, but uh, yeah I guess I mean, right he would.
1: No, do. he's got his own personal, like, high high def uh, catalog, right? That's right? He's been slowly releasing. I mean, he had his. Wasn't he like. He made an MP3 player, didn't he? Or a wave player or something? Anyways, we'll catch up with Neil another day on the Red <laughs> stage. Um, Pete wrote something down here, uh, September 95. What the hell is this?
0: Oh, yeah. so speaking of being able to go through Instagram, uh, so you guys had posted a, a day in moist history. September 95, uh, there was a picture of you guys, I think in, in an airport, uh, played with Metallica Hole, Veruca Salt, in Tuktoyuktuk, flew out of Seattle, interesting flight, dot, dot, dot. No finish to that story. What made that flight interesting?
2: Courtney Love. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Courtney Love makes a <laughs> makes a lot of flights interesting. I couldn't I believe it. Yeah. Are, are we
1: talking interesting as in like you almost had to, uh, you know, land the plane elsewhere? Like, kind of interesting. Uh, not
2: not quite that. Well, the whole thing was just so surreal because it was the the Molson uh, Molson was doing those those kind of like contest winners flown to bizarre places kind of thing. We did one and we did one in, did one in uh, Newfoundland as well um, around that time. And, uh, but this one was, this one was the crazy one when, and you know, because Tuktoyuktuk, I'm not sure how familiar you are or anybody watching this is with Tuktoyuktuk. I'm not. But it, it's not a really big place. Right. It's a pretty small place. And the people there are absolutely lovely, but there's not a lot of them. Yeah. And, uh, and setting up a Molson tent, flying in however many Molson winners and and of course, like the the local people all came as well, which you would do if you lived in Tuktoyaktuk and Met Metallica was playing, and uh, it was it was crazy. And uh, they were landing 737. They had to, they couldn't do the big jets, so they the smallest jet I think was the seven thirty seven, and because they, they were landing them on a dirt road. There was, but there's not a lot of trees there because it's above the tree line, right? So landing the jets basically on a dirt road, and uh, it was. Uh, yeah, it was it was a cool cool experience and, and kind of a good show. I think there's a little bit of YouTube footage of, of of that show out there somewhere.
0: And were you like you guys were all on the flight together? Like Metallica's on the flight, Hole's on the flight, you guys are on the flight.
2: Uh, Metallica were right. on there. I own. guess
0: by that time, yeah, by that stage in the game, yes. I guess they would be. <laughs> yeah. so, but it was
2: it was Moist and Hole and Veruca Salt on on the one jet and Metallica on the other jet. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Wow! Uh, yeah, that okay. Does. Well,
0: I, our <clears> imaginations <throat> can run a little wild on what the inside of that plane would have looked like.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Is it but in the interesting? yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice uh, blast from the past. Um, well,
0: Pete, do you do you have anything else? No, I'm excited. I'm glad to hear you say that there could be some Western Canadian stuff uh, coming up in the summer because I'm uh, I'm excited to hear some of these songs live. They, uh, you know, like you had mentioned with Ammunition playing that in uh, in Ottawa. Uh, and and people sing along by the third chorus. that's the one thing that I found with this album is it it fits right in with the with you know everything that you've known and
2: loved from moist for decades well, we we tried to make a record that kind of i' like I've been listening to a lot of vinyl which uh, it seems like everybody is nowadays but uh, but That's basically all I'm listening to. I try to avoid Spotify. Just not nothing against Spotify. They'd be very good to our bands. But, um, (laughs) but I like listening to vinyl, right? I like putting on a record, and uh, we try. Like part of the goal that, and we were all on the same page with was to make to to make something that felt like a record. You know, that it plays through side one, and then you flip it over, and all the songs just kind of flow and tell a story. And uh, I think we were reasonably successful with that. It's not like a collection of songs so much as a as a body, you
0: know? Yeah, I agree with uh, that 100%. And what, like, what is David doing with his voice? Like, it's ageless. Like, like, I, and I did last right? night. I listened, to, I listened to Silver front to back last night, and then I listened to the new album. And, like, you, like, his voice hasn't aged at all. Like, he sounds exactly the same. How?
2: David, David kind of looks exactly the and same. And he looks... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's uh yeah i think he might have made a deal with i was just gonna
0: so that the cup of youth
1: exists on that flight in september
2: 1995
0: (laughs) yep yeah Yeah, it's a great album and uh and hopefully you guys get a chance to get out here and uh and tour it and we can maybe uh say hello in person
2: i would love that great hanging guys cool man thank you so
0: much have a
1: great night peace boom
2: that's a
1: great guy yeah, really, really uh, nice dude. Knowledgeable. Look at that equipment that he's got. I know. Did you? That was so funny. Did you see what happened when he <laughs> well, started? I thought
0: I saw somebody moving out of the the control room here.
1: I, I he not just moved, bolted. He bolted <laughs> out of the control room. I thought maybe something was wrong at first. I was like, oh no, he just wants to see what Mark's production room looks like. Yeah,
0: you never want to get into that conversation with these, especially if you don't like, if you don't know, if you don't know. Because I had the same thing. I was. I had to drive my son home last night, and he's talking about these microphones and the A, B, two, C,
1: Z. Did you tell him, I'm like, f- dude? There's no point. Oh, he just knows. I. I zone. So he's just <laughs> he talking just to keeps himself telling. at that point. He knows he's talking to himself. We should actually make that a bit on the podcast where we know that our guest is into something, and one of us we draw straws to pretend like we also like are a SME, a subject matter subject matter expert. Yeah. Okay. And then we'll see how long till they call Week us out last. On it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They call us out on it or you fold. You or I fold.
0: <laughs> Deal. And it, the guy knows his stuff. Uh has produced so many uh, amazing albums and like I say just all the David Usher albums that he's worked on
1: mm-hmm. just for years and
0: years and years I was like every time David Usher would release something I'm like why can't this just be moist.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. There's Honestly, a there's a David Usher album that I really like too. Uh anyways,
0: was it the first one? The first one's really. I don't uh, know. When Jesus was my girl.
1: Definitely not that one. Not that one. I would have okay. remembered that. Okay. When Jesus was my girl. When Jesus was my girl. Oh, if you don't know that song. Well, hello. That one you gotta. Um. Anyways. Uh. So yeah, Mark McAway,
0: thanks for hanging out. And you love getting some scoops. And I think we got at least two, maybe three scoops out of that particular chat. Scoops of. Well, it sounds like Moist is going to be trying to do yes. some Western Canadian yes. dates. Yes. 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 Uh, yes. In the summer. Uh, and it also sounds like we may not have seen the last of a big, <laughs> I hate to call it, the Canadian Big Four tour. Yeah. But it sounds like we might also be getting. Yeah, that was the a big Saints deal. <laughs> that was a big deal again. when
1: they announced it. I almost forgot about it just because it's been so goddamn long. It, but... I,
0: well, honestly, it's been two and almost two and a half yeah. years.
1: Oh, uh, also, I saw that uh, Edmonton, I didn't see a similar announcement in Calgary, but they rescheduled that Winter eruption Festival. Oh. So our friend Boy Golden is going to be there in March um Chastity who I've been listening to his new album like fucking crazy is going to be a ton of ton of awesome bands are going to be there so sweet. there's some hope sweet uh
0: I would like to point out I think that's the first time I've seen you scratch you did not scratch uh, it's that whole chat
1: been itchy as hell good for you I'm newly inked tonight going home to take all of this off I cannot wait very proud of him Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm also proud of our friends, Ryan and Riley, production people, producers, I think is what they're called. The
0: amount of work that they did, like the scurrying back and forth between yeah. all the cameras and the equipment while we we're recording. They
1: try to pretend like there's nothing seriously wrong and that the interview probably must, won't start I think on time. The, I
0: think they log 10,000 steps
1: oh, while totally, we record totally, just with totally. all the movement that they're doing. Um, so, yeah, shout out to them at Communal Creative Studios. Affiliated with Bose Bar and Stage. The
0: thanks to Sawback Brewing Company, Tourism Red Deer, and
1: Go Services, Inc. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Hook up mm-hmm. on that
0: YouTube channel and do some subscribing.
1: Yeah, there's this thing that's existed on the internet for like 20 fucking years and that you can like things and also subscribe to them. Follow so, them. Yeah.
0: it'll mm-hmm. so, catch on, don't one worry. Of these By decades. the time we do our next episode...
1: What? Wednesday. The Road the Stage is
0: produced by Ryan Cooley and Riley Sur-Yin at the Communal Creative Studios in Red Deer, Alberta. In partnership with Go Services, Inc., Sawback Brewing Co., Tourism Red Deer, and Bose Bar and Stage.